Last month, Amazon jumped in the pharmacy business, selling prescription drugs with free delivery, accepting most insurance, and offering discounts for those who choose to pay without insurance. The news sent shockwaves through the industry and the stock market. Traditional in-store pharmacies like CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, they all had their stock price drop that day, some as much as 15%. Those stocks have all since recovered, but one stock is still down, about 20% since Amazon Pharmacy was announced. That stock, GoodRx, the app that tracks prescription drug prices and gives discount codes so you can get discounts at pharmacies. The GoodRx CEO says they are happy that Amazon is in this space. They're not a competitor because GoodRx isn't a pharmacy. Today on Dumb Money, is GoodRx a bad investment? Will Amazon be the ultimate pharmacy winner? Or is there a better stock trade? We are talking to our go-to medtech expert and friend, Dr. Chase Feiger, about his big trade in the future of pharmacies. This is Dumb Money Live with Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money, welcome to the show. So guys, Amazon isn't exactly new to the pharmacy business. They bought a company called PillPack back in 2018. The co-founder and CEO of that company is now Amazon's VP of pharmacy. PillPack, a mail order pharmacy that packages all your meds into these little packs that you can just open one every day and or multiple times a day or whatever your prescriptions are for. And they'll put vitamins in there, whatever you want. But this is the first time that Amazon is selling prescription drugs under the Amazon pharmacy brand name with free shipping and discounts as a part of the Prime program. So let's go ahead and, and bring Dr. Chase into this conversation here. Boom, there he is. What's up, Chase? <laughs> How's it going, buddy? What's happening, guys? Dude, Chase, don't don't say anything yet. Don't say anything yet. I, I need to set the stage. I need to set the social arm stage for GoodRx because I've been thinking about this going into today. And what I love today's episode before we even start, I'll tell you why. Normally, when you're looking for a social arm trade, you really have to look deep for that one piece of information that the market is missing or the market is misinterpreting, right? Um, and that's the piece of information you're trading. But with GoodRx, I truly believe after reading all the analysts and all the coverage and all the buzz, especially with this latest move with by Amazon, that it's like no one can agree on what this comp the future of this company even looks like. There are so many opinions. Either Amazon's going to topple them, Amazon's irrelevant, GoodRx is just a fad, GoodRx is susceptible to government regulation that's going to come in and screw the middlemen and the pharmacy business is going to screw them. Like there are so many things at play that I truly feel that there's an opportunity to look at GoodRx almost like you would an early stage company, like a venture investor would. And if you could just fully understand, have a better understanding of the company itself, what the barriers of entry really are, what the TAM really is, what the risk factors are and aren't, that just by doing some simple, just by understanding understanding the company, you might have you might have edge, right? Because I think people just misunderstand this company. I'm so excited to have you on, Chase, because honestly, with all of my research into GoodRx, I don't understand. I still don't really have a hold on what's true and what's not true, what to believe, what not to believe. I just don't know. So I have I don't own any GoodRx right now, but I'm going to make a decision by the end of this episode purely based on, because that's how much trust I have in you. Listen, you spent most of your career as an early stage investor. You've made dozens, maybe a hundred early stage investments in, in, in the tech space and the med space specifically. So like if anyone can understand this landscape, what really understand behind the curtain 
it's you, right? And yeah. so, and, and I've it. used GoodRx, and I'm a huge <laughs> Amazon fan. But before we get into his big trade, a little more preamble. I do want to talk a little about the business side of how pharmacies work, because to me, the crazy range of prices for drugs has always been fascinating. And I want to know from someone on the inside what what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, so first and foremost, Chris, once again, the pressure is on, man. The pressure is on. He always has to do that to me. Whether it's an early <laughs> stage investment, whether it's a, a public equity trade, I swear to you, the pressure is always on. And that's how I like it. So thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, uh, you know, like Dave said, um, really to kind of set the landscape, I, I think it would actually be beneficial uh, to really understand who the key stakeholders are. Uh, across the entire pharmacy value chain. So guys, on Dumb Money Show, um, I know that you've probably, uh, it's been a while since that, you know, maybe that college lecture, maybe some of you, some of you are in college right now listening to this. Great, well, I'm sorry for for just another uh, another rant um, uh, on on the subject, but I really- We, we all love a good slideshow though, so. <laughs> we all like Let's... a good slideshow. I'm gonna go through this quickly, guys. So first and foremost, um, who are the key stakeholders that are involved in, in the pharmacy value chain? You have the manufacturers, i.e. the pharmacy manufacturers. These are companies like Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, AbbVie. These are the companies that research, that develop, that produce drugs and are obviously an essential component of the, of the value chain. You then have the uh, payers. These are, um, these are entities that are not, that are other than patients that are actually paying for care. And if we think about the big five insurance players in the space, um, these are these are companies like United Health Group, Anthem, Aetna, Cigna, Humana. These are really the big five payers in the space. Then you have what are called PBMs or pharmacy benefit managers. These are the entities that negotiate drug prices directly with the manufacturers on behalf of their payer clients. Um, so what their job is, 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 is they're really this negotiating entity. They're one of the middlemen. Um, that really sit, sit, that sit intermediated within the, uh, within the healthcare value chain. You then have what are called wholesalers. These are the companies like Amerisource, Bergen, McKesson, Cardinal Health. These are companies that buy large quantities of drugs from pharma companies. They distribute them. Um, and again, if you actually think about the way the market looks, the, the, the big three actually own uh, approximately a little more than 85% market share. So McKesson, Amerisource, Bergen, Cardinal Health, um, they, 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 they pretty much have complete dominance over this, this wholesaler uh, space. And then you have, of course, the pharmacy. These are the the re these are the, the 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 companies like CVS, like Walgreens, Walmart. Um, these are the ones where where patients will actually go to collect their prescriptions. And then uh, just to fast forward on the last two specialty pharmacies, which are distributing very much more expensive, uncommon uh, products. Uh, uh, and then of course the patient. Now, if we go through the next slide, I, tr I try to put this together pretty quickly. You know, we 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 really just show the way that the flow of drugs works through the pharmaceutical uh, value chain. You've got the manufacturer, the wholesalers are responsible for distributing. I.e. McKesson, you know. These are these are companies that are going to have a, a play a very very big part when you think about the um, the, the coronavirus vaccine. So um, you know again, even if you're not interested in this trade and you just want an additional educational lesson on on what's to come, um, given this uh, this this really you know, a crazy time and unprecedented time that we're in, then of course you'll 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 find this intellectually stimulating. But this really this this chart here just shows the way the flow of drugs work. This next chart shows the actual uh, services offered throughout the throughout the value chain. So 
So again, you have the PBM that's interacting both with the payer and the manufacturer uh, to, uh, prior to when the payer will determine ultimately that that cost that will that the patient has to pay out of pocket. And um, the last one, very complicated chart. I just the reason I wanted the reason I put this together for you guys was I wanted you to see the complexity involved in how the flow of money works across uh, across the entire um, you know this this uh, of how it works within this segment. Um, but again, I, I'm happy. I, you know, we only have limited time on this episode, so I'm not going to go on and on no, about take this. Take us through it. I want to know what's important here in this slide. I want to know. Yeah. So so the key takeaway here is that there is a ton of inefficiencies within the within the pharmaceutical value chain. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. When you compare the U.S. pharmaceutical value chain to that of other uh, other players internationally, we have all these intermediaries within the space that are uh, you know that are trying to take a dominant role. Now the PBM is someone I really want you to focus on as it pertains to GoodRx because that's how GoodRx a, a, a huge chunk of their revenue, in fact, the majority of their revenue. Every time you use that coupon code, there is a flow of money moving between the PBM and GoodRx. GoodRx has set up partnerships incredibly extensively with the PBM. The way to think of GoodRx is think of GoodRx as like a really nice front end um, that is that is uh, you know partnering up with tons of these different PBMs. But it's also crazy that we even have PM. Um, but uh, that's a conversation uh, conversation for another day. Now, if we go to the last slide, um, Dave, I'm sorry to to make you do uh, make you do one more here. Is it up? I yep, it's up. Ah, perfect. So the key thing here is that you have players that are vertically integrating themselves across different areas of the pharmaceutical value chain, i.e. we have companies like CVS Health that acquired Aetna. IEDS has now become a payer. CVS has this, has uh, CVS Health owns CVS Caremark, which is a PBM. They own pharmacies, which we interact with every day. They own specialty pharmacies. So CVS is an entity that has really vertically integrated itself across the, across the pharmaceutical value chain. You then have companies like United Healthcare. United, you know, we know that uh, one of the big uh, uh, famous acquisitions that happened um, in, in the last uh, in the last few years was when United Health Group acquired Optum, which is one of the big dominant PBMs in the space as well. Key takeaway here, and guys, spend time looking at the chart more and more before I get into the details around how I'm thinking about how these different players interact with one another and what this Amazon pharmacy entrance into the space really means to each of these players, feel free to take some time uh, looking at it. If you guys have any questions, as always, um, you know, uh, ping, ping, ping the dumb money guys. And then I'm always happy to get on and, and spend time jamming with you guys individually. If you ever want to talk about how this all works um, uh, more, more extensively. And we'll, we'll post so this uh, presentation that... in our, uh, in our dumb money discord group too, because people are, are appreciating it already in the uh, chat. Perfect. Yeah. And all right. Great, th guys. This is the setup. So you're going to explain to us, right, Chase, how good are fits how this all impacts GoodRx and also Amazon, right? Which is which is important to understand the background story here. For sure, for sure. So um, yeah, and and it's really good to have an understanding of you know this is a complicated market. So it's it's good to have that understanding of you know who are who are the important players in the space and and what does this mean for each of them, right? So before I get into GoodRx and and, and Amazon, I just want to bring up really the why now opportunity in in terms of why now. 
now for GoodRx. Uh, obviously, this is a company that was founded, you know, uh, ten, uh, more than ten years ago out of Los Angeles. Um, you know, when we think about the underlying premise of the company, this is a company. You know, you know, Doug Hirsch. This is a CEO that is that truly has a desire to do a tremendous amount of good for the market. You know, this is an individual that's obviously working on building a, a dominant business. Very, very smart. Very successful. Comes from the tech world, just like uh, just like each of us. And he really does have a desire to do a tremendous amount of good. Former executive from Facebook. His goal when he started GoodRx was, what can I do to help lower drug costs? Right. I mean, yeah. this is this is a conversation that dominates DC. Right. This is yeah. a conversation that that is incredibly important. I mean, there's a, there's so many Americans out there. There's 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 over 40 million Americans that are un, that are uninsured. You're you're talking about a group of individuals that cannot afford cannot afford to buy the medications that they need for their own health and well being. Right. Chase, and so I, I, is, I actually like basically cut out the insurance. Right. Is that is that true? So what what GoodRx has done is yes yeah, so so in part jordan the way that it works is that good rx provides cash pay prices directly to consumers so you know you're you're a patient you go and see your you go and see your physician you walk into your physician's office and i'm i'm and give me you know comment on the bottom by the way if it says if this has ever happened to you you go and you see your doctor and your doctor says unfortunately i don't think your insurance is um is willing to cover this drug for you um you know or or your doctor says, "I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to put together a prior authorization, which is this very complicated back and forth process that occurs between medical assistants, the doctor, and then the, um, and then of course the, the the these other entities that I that I previously described, and they're all going back and forth uh, trying to to complete this prior authorization so that you actually get coverage on that specific medication and you can pay the price of whatever your copay is uh, in order to get access to that drug." Um, very I can tell you, I've, I've actually used GoodRx when I had cheap insurance that didn't cover all of my prescriptions. It was amazing. I, I, I couldn't believe, I thought it was a scam. It's like, how am I going to download this app and show a code? Why would a drugstore give me a special price if I just show them this code? And this, you know, super easy because I was like, I just type it in and it told me this drugstore has it at this price. If you show this code, this other one across the street is like half the price of that. If you just walk across the street. So it was kind of amazing that that exists. And I think it's a fantastic like idea and concept and amazing for people, especially if you're underinsured like I was or uninsured. And the, the whole premise of making healthcare more affordable for people is amazing. I, I just never understood kind of how it was working. Who was who was getting paid to give these discounts? Yeah. So the PBMs actually provide good RX. So, you know, they, they, it depends on whether the drug is a branded drug or a generic drug, but they can make a few dollars. Every time you go in, you get that coupon off the GoodRx website and you take it into a CVS, a Walgreens, a Costco, really the pharmacy, again, of your choice. Um, GoodRx is making money on each of those scripts. So um, that, that's how that's how the model that's how the model works, and they were able to do this um, by partnering up with the PBMs. So again, what is GoodRx? You know, before we get into you know GoodRx, Amazon, Doug Hirsch was right in his response. There is a very big, there is a major difference between GoodRx and Amazon. GoodRx is a marketplace. Amazon is a mail order pharmacy, i.e. 
we have, you can go to your local pharmacies, i.e. your CVS, your Walgreens, uh, to go and pick up your medications, or you can have your doctor send the medication to Amazon Pharmacy. And via the use of Prime Services, have that medication delivered to your door without having to walk in, take the time to drive to the pharmacy, wait in line, et cetera. Does that make sense? So yep. what, what GoodRx does is GoodRx on a, per, on a per script basis, let's say you need your, your cholesterol, high cholesterol medication, you type in whatever that stat is on the GoodRx website, and it lists all of the prices based on your zip code at each of the pharmacies. So it's a marketplace, if that makes sense. It's a marketplace. So that's that's the big no, difference. That makes total sense. And isn't isn't the value that GoodRx provide to the manufacturers of these drugs uh, that with GoodRx, people will actually purchase prescriptions that they would ordinarily otherwise just leave at the counter because they their health their healthcare doesn't cover it or it's too expensive so so they're actually increasing the amount of drug being purchased with both benefits the manufacturer benefits the pharmacy benefits the doctor and theoretically benefits the patient so they're theoretically it's like a quad win for everybody involved and they still get to make money from it. So it's, it's it's kind of a fascinating value prop that they're able to benefit everybody and still make money just by solving a weird problem because the system is so complex and, and insurers are not incentivized to want to cover too much stuff. It, like it's very, Chase, this is unusual. It's like, it's, it's really it, hard it's, to unpack all this. No, it's, it's, it's a win. It's a win for, it's even a win for payers, right? Because then payers don't have to cover it. So there's yes, util, there's less utilization of the payers services when a patient walks in and uses a good RX coupon to um, to get that drug. But yeah, you're 100% right, Chris. I mean, and, and I'll get into how other ways good RX is making money because it's really interesting. They, they were started at a time where they were really able to dominate a number of distribution channels, which I'll get into in just a bit. But that's the key takeaway from today is remember, good RX is a marketplace, Amazon, CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, these are pharmacies. And then I also showed you previously at that intro how CVS, uh, Walgreens, etc. are vertically integrated across different areas of the value chain. So, but the thing that you need to remember is that when someone goes to GoodRx to get that coupon, there is a chance that they're going to select a pharmacy that is not Amazon, right? So if GoodRx does a very good job capturing your attention on paid search, paid social ad, I through Google, when you're Googling Atorvastatin and you see, oh, GoodRx at the very top screen and they capture you before, before Amazon captures your attention or you're on Facebook, you hear a radio ad. When you go to GoodRx, there is a chance Amazon is not going to acquire you as a customer through Amazon Pharmacy. But then when someone yeah. goes to Amazon, I think about how dominant Amazon has been uh, over the last couple of years with the with the uh, you know with with the different positions that they made starting a Haven, uh, you know Amazon Care. This is a company that we know is going very hard after healthcare. They have done an incredible job uh, in terms of capturing a, a very uh, a, a enormous audience across all age groups and ranges. When someone goes to Amazon, GoodRx is not going to make money from the coupon. 
Because Amazon's yeah. providing their own discount because they are basically stepping into that role where GoodRx sits and they are that middleman negotiator who's getting the better pricing because of their volume and all of that. And which to me, the whole Amazon pharmacy sounds kind of ideal because of free delivery. I'm already shopping on Amazon. It's just one more thing to put in my cart. I was surprised that yes, you don't actually go to a special there. website. You just you just search for the drug, right? The, the same way I would buy new coffee mugs or coffee refills. Okay. I yeah. But Dave, some people are a couple things going on here. Some people want to get their medication right this second. Some yeah. people oh, aren't comfortable getting any medication mailed to their house because they don't want to get lost or stolen mm -hmm. or anything like that. Also, um, some people just aren't, you know, believe it or not, like aren't connected to Amazon. They're not on Amazon Prime. Yeah. They're they're, they're anti-Amazon or they're just not in that world yet. It might be 20 years before they get into that world, right? Yeah. I, so I don't see Amazon really... Pharmacy as like the the lead getter to get new people into Amazon to start using them to buy absolutely everything in their life. But for the people who already use Amazon like me to buy everything in my life, having to go to a drugstore for that one prescription doesn't make as much sense. And if they are willing, you know, have the ability to give me, like they said, 80% off of the, uh, up to 80% off of generics and 40% off of uh, name brand drugs. To me, it's almost like the good RX model is great because it lets me get a discount and I can figure out which pharmacy has the best price. But if Amazon has as good or better pricing, that's that's where I think GoodRx could get into trouble. And that's the key thing, right? That is exactly the key thing. And the question is, is it a race to the bottom? Is it a race to the bottom? Ultimately, at the end of the day, though, this is a race to the bottom that benefit, benefits the patient. And to me, that is the most important piece of it all. As a physician, I have to first and foremost look out for the patient. Drug costs have been out of control. And if it means that Amazon and GoodRx are, and, and these PBMs, all the other entities that we previously discussed are going to constantly be, it's going to be slashing at their margins for the benefit of the patient, for the benefit of you and I, and we should all be celebrating that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, 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 this is the thing. I want to go back to Chris's point because that's really important, right? Chris mentioned the big question for today. What is the social ARB opportunity here? What is GoodRx? So let's let's just think about what GoodRx has done a very, very good job of. The customer base. How is GoodRx acquiring customers? Well, I talked about how they were able to dominate online channels. They were able to dominate uh, yes, They were able to dominate paid search. They were able to dominate social, paid social channels, SEO, radio, etc. Do, do not we, I think the most probably... effective uh, way to learn about GoodRx is your local neighborhood pharmacist having a little sign on the thing saying, "By the way, if you just go on your phone, we can probably get you a better price. If you just well, take that, this I mean, card, TV, you can get a better price." TV commercials like crazy. I see. I feel like I see a good RX ad every 30 minutes. Yep. They're, they're, they're paying, they're dropping. Jordan, you're hundred percent right. I mean, they're spending tons of money on advertising. Now, what is good a ton of money to acquire a customer, like a ton of money. Oh yeah. They're paying, they're paying a ton of money, but they've dominated, they've dominated these channels. But, and then what they've done is as they've seen customer acquisition costs increase, especially during COVID times, as the channels have become more and more expensive to advertise on, uh, they found that, you know, there's a subset of patients, by the way, that go to GoodRx and they're like, well, I haven't, I haven't gotten my doctor visit yet. Um, 
I really need to go see a doctor. Or maybe it's one of these patients that's uninsured. They don't have a long term, they don't have a primary care provider that takes care of them. They're getting their care through Teladoc. They're getting their care through another telemedicine channel. GoodRx acquired a company called Hey Doctor to simplify it even more. Meaning if you land, if you go to heydoctor.com and you land on their site, you have the ability to select whatever your underlying condition is. You can see a doctor right then and there for the cost of $20 and you have the ability to complete a telemedicine consultation and then have that prescription, uh, you know, get, get receive that script and go directly to GoodRx, grab that coupon and get it filled. Yeah, so I don't know if you said this or not, but but Hey Doctor is a uh, GoodRx product. Yes, yeah, so Hey yeah. Doctor was acquired by GoodRx. There was a y, it was a Y Combinator company. They were actually doing all the front end telemedicine services early on for Hims, one of the big consumerization of health companies that um, you know a lot of news around their stack. Um, but yeah, they they um, they acquired this company, Hey Doctor, for the purpose of lowering that customer acquisition cost. If you're a patient that hasn't yet, because you still need to see a doctor before you get that script. So they saw that as an opportunity. Now, Chris, I know you've been waiting for it, but here it is. Where is the big distribution advantage, right? Yeah. The doctor's office, the yep. brick and mortar doctor's office. GoodRx has done such an effective job at educating doctors within brick and mortar over listen. If you've got to deal with this prior off, pre present us, you know, we, we, you know, present us as that next, as, a, and as another cash pay alternative or another viable choice to your patient. It's a way for you to not have to do your, uh, to do your prior authorization. And it becomes a really better benefit for your patient because they end up getting the, uh, the drug potentially at even a lower cost than what the, than what the payer will even, than even what the payer will cover. So they, they've, they've gone in and they have dominated the provider channel, dominated. So when you think about Chris's How did they do earlier, that? How did they do that? Just do they have very like cards at the office or what? You're talking, sell, sending pamphlets, uh, calling on, calling on physician offices, very similar tactics than what pharmaceutical manufacturers play when they send sales reps into offices. They were educating doctors on this. Another company that did a really good job dominating the, the provider channel is another private company called Alto Pharmacy that also pursued the same method, hiring former pharma sales reps to go in and educate doctors on their solution to dominate as a mail order pharmacy choice to simplify that prior off also process for doctors. So they said, we're going to make your lives easier. Now, Chris's point earlier, Dave, I know that you and I, Chris, you know, we're all going to be Amazon pharmacy users, but think about the subset of the population, the older demographic, people in their 40s, their 50s, their 60s um, that, you know, really, really, really depend on their brick and mortar physician. They're not going to the tele, they're not going to the teledocs, these other platforms to receive their, to receive their telemedicine from, from just any, any provider. They have their doctor that they really, really trust. They want to go see them in the office. This is how they're used to receiving their care. GoodRx is going to still be presented as that great alternative choice to that patient. And the question is, will that change? Will that change? Well, there's My another opinion, thing too, Chase. Like it no. seems to me like Amazon is like the perfect, you know, pharmacy for something that, you know, you you have regularly coming to you. But what about, you know, you, you just get diagnosed with like strep throat or something like that and you want to get your Z-Pack immediately. Are you going to order that through Amazon or are you going to walk into CVS and try to get it right away? It depends. I would think there's a lot of these cases. Same day, Jordan? If they can get it to me same day, I'll do Amazon same, same day. day. But like six but hours later to where I could just drive straight from the doctor's office to CVS or Walgreens or something like that and yep. take my good RX coupon in and then boom, I'm done. Yeah. I, I, and I think right now Amazon is saying uh, two day delivery, but I'm sure like every Amazon yeah, product, it, it will get a shorter, shorter window. And you might even be able to, while you're sitting in the doctor's office lobby, you could get on good RX, see what the price is. You could get on Amazon, see what the price is, and you could have it potentially shipped from, you know, 
know that the the traditional retailers are also trying to move into online, and they've had a hard time convincing people to stop going to brick and mortar and move online, which is kind of good. RX's, you know, th that's their their promise is well, we know that we're not going to get everyone to start doing online, so it's it's actually good for us. But but Dave, and there's you another thing with they CVS and Walgreens too. Is that they're offering like all the pharmacies. They will do online and do delivery for GoodRx. GoodRx can get your meds to you in two hours through CVS, through Walgreens, because they all do delivery now. Some of them yeah. for free. So it's like GoodRx. Get the, my favorite thing about GoodRx is I chase. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the pharmacies have all figured out that GoodRx is like their serious partner, right? And so mm -hmm. the pharmacies are going to spend billions of dollars to fight Amazon to, to, to like in terms of service quality, delivery, access, all that stuff, making sure they're constantly in front of the customer, trying to get the customer to say, hey, you know what? You can order that from Amazon, but also why don't you come in the pharmacy? Because you might, now that you're sick, you might need to get this. You want to get Gatorade right now today. I don't know. But but the pharmacies are spending the money for GoodRx, right? To fight the fight, to get a piece. I don't know how big of a piece of the market goes to Amazon. I don't know how much much of a piece goes to the pharmacies, but I know they're going to be pieces. It's not going to be winner takes all, right? We all know that. So, and I think I GoodRx has done the best job of branding themselves and getting into the doctor's office and being the one that has a primary spot at the actual pharmacy checkout counter. Uh, but I just did a quick Google search of GoodRx competitors, and there there are a number of them. And I, yes, the reason I was that, searching is the last time I was at a pharmacy, that, I, I did see most, another a competing tall. card right next to the uh, GoodRx card. Mm. How yeah, so that, that's no. I need to know. That, that's very important. How tall is the moat? Very good question. All right, so let's go through it. So we look at wholesalers, i.e., I talked about, I, talk, I, I hinted at some earlier. Let's talk about uh, companies like McKesson right now. Um, McKesson launched a platform. Go ahead and pull it up, Dave. They launched a platform uh, through uh, one of the acquisitions that they have, actually a service. They acquired a company that makes prior authorizations far more simple. Um, they bought the company for, for about a billion dollars, actually. And with that acquisition, they got a company called Script Hero. Go ahead and pull that up, Dave. Now, why is Script Hero important? Because Script Hero provides a directly competitive service with GoodRx. And in fact, Script Hero actually has for certain branded medications like that Travitan Z and some of these other uh, other products, some branded product, generic products, some of the drugs on Script Hero, depending on your zip code, location, et cetera, are actually cheaper than GoodRx. Now, how because they, they get to cut out, cut one hop out of the uh, flow chart that you have. Exactly, they cut out the PM. So the PBM is not part of this. Uh, is not part of this channel. This is a relationship with the wholesaler that is offering this uh, directly to patients. Now, that's where do the hell out of me if I'm good RX, right? I, it, it should it should scare you, but this is where I think good RX. Not even I think I know good RX has a leg up interactions with consumers. They know how to market to consumers. They know how to conduct all the performance marketing. They know how to acquire customers. McKesson is a wholesaler. And again, I have many, many, many friends and, and individuals that I really respect um, that are um, uh, over at McKesson. So, I, and, I, and I really look up, I think that it's a really a truly incredible company. But McKesson, it's not their natural DNA to interact and interface directly with consumers. 
If anything, they need to learn how to do that very well in order to compete with GoodRx. And knowing how to do that is an incredible core competency. I mean, again, look at the DNA of GoodRx. You've got a bunch of, you've got former Facebookers. These are people that really understand how to, how to play the consumer game. Can Script Hero learn how to play that game better than GoodRx? Because ultimately at the end of the day, if you and I, you know, we, we, we go to GoodRx, our doctor's talking about GoodRx. You know, I'm not hearing about Script Hero. No one is telling me about Script Hero as a potential choice. But is eventually, is eventually just Google going to also get involved and just be the aggregator? You type in the drug that you need. Like if I were on Trav, Travatan Z, is that, uh, that seems like a very expensive drug. Whoops, I, uh, it's we just completely. We just completely. Uh, there we go. We're back. But, it to good RX. So this. So this is Script Hero at fifty-five dollars, and if I pull up the same drug on on GoodRx, it's two hundred and six dollars. So there if I go. were on that drug, I would. I would. My, hopefully, my doctor would tell me you need to go to Script Hero instead of GoodRx, I, even though we use GoodRx for everything else, because it just needs to be the lowest cost to the final customer. But Chase, why can't GoodRx get that deal? I don't understand why GoodRx can't get that same deal from that manufacturer what why would because, the manufacturer because script hero because script the is yeah they're, they're cutting the out the, the, the middle one middleman you saw wait, the, wait, you wait, saw how many people have to get paid on the way the, the farm wait, the pharmacy RX do that the, the pharmacy Good the RX. pharmacy benefit the pharmacy benefit manager is still involved the PBM so so why PBM, can't GoodRx yeah, be a PBM well, okay, that's a, that's a different question. GoodRx actually, the, the way that they did it actually is is they were able to get a PBM. They were they were very good at enterprise and consumer. They were able to go directly to the PBMs and get and solidify those partnerships with the PBMs uh, early on, uh, which has been you know which has been very very impressive. Um, and and this could hurt them, or you know this could have hurt them, or this could have helped them. It depend depending on how you uh, depending on how you look at it, right? Um, but that that's the big thing, Chris. It's the fact that GoodRx still has the relationships directly with the PBM. Script Hero has a relationship directly with the wholesaler. There's a piece what, of that intermediary geez, that's what cut is out. Preventing, what is preventing GoodRx to also develop relationships with wholesalers like, like Script Hero is so they can match those deals for the wholesalers that are willing to do that? Like, yeah. Anything? Um, so, so, so first, again, um, they could match it, but it's going to cut into the, the, the amount of money that GoodRx makes on a per script basis is going to go down. But let's assume, for example, I mean, $55 and that 200 something dollar for the Travitan Z is a significant difference. Yeah. Um, and and it's, as a very, just, it's a very significant difference. As as a consumer, I would the first thing I would do would be go to Google and type in that drug and the top ad is Script Hero. There and it go. says so they, $55. They, so they, they, they're they they're jumping the shark on uh, getting, you know, I don't even see if uh, GoodRx shows up here, maybe in the natural results. Web, there's GoodRx, like the second uh, natural search result for it. Yeah. So, and, and they're just, they're, I mean, they're competing, they're competing for that paid search. They're, they're paying more for it. Um, you know, to Chris's point though, even if, even if GoodRx, um, you know, even if GoodRx says, you know, we're not going to take money on the Travitan Z, uh, you know, again, on a branded drug that could be 
making like around $20, $20 from 200 and whatever dollars doesn't come close to $55. Yeah. No. They would have to, they, they would have to screw over their partner, PBM. Ah, okay. And, 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 and because who's taking a, who, who, by the way, the PBMs are the ones that are really getting the most of that. Of I mean, their, their, their profit margins are actually almost better than anyone in, in the value chain. I.e., if you guys watching Dumb Money right now are pissed off and you're like, you know what? I hate the pharma manufacturers. I hate the pharma manufacturers. The first person you should be pissed out about drug prices are the PBMs. I just want to start off by saying that. Um, you should be pissed off at the PBMs because they're the ones actually that are walking away with uh, the, 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 the highest margin out of anyone else in the value chain. Depends on a drug by drug basis, but for the most part. So then back well, to my question, stops, what does it take Chase, to be a PBM? What stops, yeah, could, could, what stops, what stops the manufacturers doing more deals with the, you know, script, uh, you know, like direct, right? Like where does the market go? That's what I don't understand. Like where, right, where, here, where does it go in five years? So this, this is the, this is a really big, this you're, you guys are now asking the critical question. So I'm going to hit on Dave's point quickly. Why can't they be a BPM? Because this relates to your point, Chris, around where do they go in five years? Both, both of your points you just mentioned, the latter part of the discussion are very related. Why can't they become a PBM? So, so Dave, these PBMs, okay, if you, if, if you can build an entity and get tens of millions of patients within that entity and then negotiate on behalf of those tens of millions of patients. So the first step is how do you get, how do you get tens of millions of patients that you're going to be negotiating on behalf of? Um, you know, with the pair, it's a, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to build out an audience like that. I mean, if you're able to do that, if you have tens of millions of super attentive individuals within, uh, you like know, that, Amazon, that are captured within your audience, like Amazon you has, billion I'm sorry, like Amazon has. Exactly. So See, I mean, bigger, now that's the bigger, that's, important that's question where is, I get worried for good because Amazon already has the audience. And if they can just get a fraction of the people who are buying their groceries and everyday items and electronics and everything everything from Amazon, if they just get a fraction to try the mail order pharmacy and like it for the things that are the regular reoccurring subscription, they'll still go to the brick and mortar when they need something quick, but just for the everyday yeah, pharmacy purposes. Yeah, I mean, we, well, let I me mean, look, is it a surprise that in 2017, like, let's point out what Amazon did, this, you know, is this coincidence? In 2017, that is, in 2017 was a big year for Amazon. They acquired, as we discussed, PillPack. And who else did they acquire in 2017, guys? Whole Foods. Whole yeah. Foods. Yeah. And okay. that was going to be my question. Are they going, and they also have locations of Amazon Fresh now. So they actually have physical grocery store locations nationwide, yeah. more and more every every day. And and let's continue to look across the the the, the spectrum uh, among among these companies for a second. They then in 2018 launched Haven, i.e. that joint venture between Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and um, uh, J.P. Morgan. Um, and this was a way to lower costs, increase access to primary care, make your drugs more affordable. Uh, you know, they, 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 and, and they partnered up with Cigna, CVS, uh, uh, with CVS helps Aetna to do this. Then, which is what is live right now, they launched a service called Amazon. Care, which enables any Amazon employee to receive a telemedicine consultation between the times of 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. for anything advice, diagnosis, treatment, referrals. They have all 24 7 um, accessibility to chat um, with, uh, with a doctor. Um, and this is a service specifically for their employees. Then you have AWS, which is providing cloud services for healthcare, life science data, um, all, all the you know, healthcare payers, providers, et cetera. 
you've got a company that is that is really dominated. They, they've, they've, go, they've gone and acquired the brick and mortar aspect and they're going at it. Then you look at companies like Walmart, which we haven't even talked about on this episode. What, what does this mean for Walmart? Walmart's another one of the potential options, by the way. If you look at Script Hero, you look at Blink Health, by the way, is another competitor of GoodRx. If you look at Blink Health, Script Hero, um, uh, uh, or GoodRx, and you look at the different options. It, uh, Walmart, Walmart has 90% of Americans are within 10 miles of a freaking Walmart. 90%. They want, they have five, you know, we're talking 5,000 stores, more than 5,000 stores across the country. They now have 20 clinic locations in the states yeah. of Texas, Georgia, South Carolina. And wasn't Walmart one of the uh, like early leaders in like lowering generic drug prices, coming up with that like $5 program for they were. the most they were. common drugs? And now everyone is doing that. And Amazon's going to have the, I mean, everything is the race to the bottom for drugs. It, it is. It is. And again, like I was saying earlier, and, and for the cost of care, right? You know, Walmart is offering primary care doctor services for twenty to forty dollars cash pay, uh, forty to fifty dollars if you want to go see a dentist, forty five dollars for an eye exam, and then uh, they also offer counseling services as well. So, you know, we have a lot of players that are that are that are you know that are entering the space, which is definitely um, you know which is causing you know fortunately for consumers, it, it's it's providing better convenience and it's providing lower costs, which of which again is a very, very good thing for the market. Then you have companies like Rite Aid who are now investing a huge amount. They did a big announcement at the health conference. Rite Aid um, just recently brought on um, a very, very smart individual. She's brilliant. She, she formally ran, uh, she's the new chief e-commerce officer at Rite Aid. She um, uh, was formally at Walmart. She was the head of corporate development at Jet.com. Uh, and then she uh, joined, um, uh, joined um, Rite Aid as chief e-commerce officer. They're now entering... So you, you've got all these players, pharmacies that are now starting to offer these commerce services. Like Chris mentioned earlier, will, you know, the question is, will uh, will someone select that, you know, the delivery from the CVS Rite Aid directly to their home or will they go to Amazon? Amazon, what they really need to do is, again, it comes down to product changes, product modifications. Even after their announcement and their launch, like Dave said, they have a very attentive audience. These are people that are buying everything through Amazon. They have to make the product changes that make it a lot easier for people to sign up. Like, let me ask you, Dave, Chris, Jordan, have any of you signed up on Amazon Pharmacy? No, no not, not until yet. starting well, to let's, research. Let's, let's go right now. Pharmacy.amazon.com. I want you to pull it up. This is the flow. Now, this is the question. Is this a good enough flow? We know from a product perspective, you know, the smallest product change can vastly, you know, uh, there's certain features on Facebook. The former head of product at Facebook had this really good chat where people weren't using, small businesses weren't using this feature. They had to make a number of product modifications. They had such an attentive audience and then all of a sudden, everybody started using that feature. Amazon Pharmacy has to make, Amazon has to make the same changes. Um, they need to find a way to capture the attention of the audience that they have. Yeah. And that's going to require a, a ton of investment from a product perspective in order for them to do it. And, and I think it kind of starts product. with, you know, typing in the drug name in Google. Amazon didn't have an ad there saying buy it at our pharmacy, right? If they had that same drug and they had a $55 price tag next to it and they were the second paid ad at the top of Google, that might get the clicks, right? But yep. here we and, are. And on pharmacy.amazon and uh they can deliver meds in 45 states i learned uh they're they're in most states now am i actually signing up i am i don't know how much personal information i'm gonna have to give on the screen uh, here i'm signing up right this <laughs> they second. need my uh, social yeah. okay let's, let's just take it off the screen for a second and i'm gonna sign up yeah. because why not i'll tell you exactly what they need my first name my middle name my suffix uh, is five minutes none. 
Okay, so so far, I, I, there's nothing personally identifiable on the screen, so we'll, we'll go ahead and share this with the audience. This is this oh, my legal name. I'll change that to David. Although I think my prescriptions all are written for Dave because that's what my doctor calls me. Next page. Continue. Dude, Chris, have so, you already have you already beat me to it? Are you already uh, no, a pharmacy listen, customer? I, I, I'm going through it right now. Uh, I'm just confirming they sent me a... They already know my home mailing address, obviously. Use that as my default delivery address. They already had that pre-filled. Now they don't know my birthday, so I'm going to put that in. Hmm. Now maybe they'll also send me a birthday card. Which, considering how much I spend at Amazon, you Probably think that they would do that? Probably more likely they'll give you offers for things you can buy less expensive than <laughs> food. I, I, hey, I love Jordan. offers. Yeah. I love offers. They they want to know which sex I was assigned at birth. That's a good way to ask that question. Uh, and the last four of my social. And I trust Amazon. More than I trust you guys to show it on screen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my email address they already have. My phone number they already have. So yes, I'm going to check the box to allow text messaging and continue. And now let's go over your uh, medications and health history. So they're going to have a little survey for me to fill out uh, medications, allergies, health conditions. I mean, can go ahead and do it all, right? And, and you just have to do this once, right? Unless anything changes, you can make an update to your medical history. Um, and then the, the, the other beautiful thing, by the way, is I want to wait for Dave to get to that step. I don't want to give it away. Go ahead. So Dave, they just did a search for trying to find my insurance information automatically in the background. Now, I just changed providers, so I probably am in a state of limbo right Right now because they didn't find it for me, but I'm guessing that that probably works for 80-90% of people who go through. It's searching for my insurance, Dave, right now. It's, but we're, it's, we're right in the middle of like open enrollment too, so I can't imagine that, that this would probably be the worst time to test this feature. But um, I can I can click it says add insurance. It found my insurance, dude. Like I don't know if that's possible. I don't know how they would do that. But let me see if this is correct. I'm sure it is. That you gave them your birth date and last four of social, and they probably integrate yeah. with some data provider that has that information on you. I don't know if the number that they gave me is my. In I don't have an insurance ID. I don't know. I'll just say yes. I give me some <laughs> random number, but. Well, it's either your insurance or someone else's. It'll be fine. You don't have to pay for it if it's someone else's. I guess that's fine, right? Found it. And by, by the way, this this one is really, I mean, I, I think this is great too, because by Amazon having, again, sometimes it, it's actually, it's sometimes actually cheaper for you to not use your insurance. Yeah. CVS, Walgreens, until very recently, there was actually a law passed that um, prohibited pharmacies from saying if whether or not the cash pay price is actually cheaper than your copay on a drug using your insurance. Which, Which I always like thought was bizarro so world stupid. that they, and even the pharmacist is like, well, I can't tell you what to do, but you, you might want to um, maybe look around. It just stupidity out the wazoo, um, stupidity out the wazoo. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. So, so again, Amazon though, will actually, if, if a cash pay price, you know, they'll, they'll offer you the cheaper price, Yeah. which I think is, which I think is really good. And I would have um, never so thought to search like lobbying against stuff like this. I mean, is there, is there a chance that this gets, uh, threatened? I mean, the, these are the, the the reason why this hasn't this didn't come to fruition until now, Jordan, mm -hmm. is because of the amount of lobbying that that was going against this for 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 so so long. I mean, if you think about it, should it have taken this long for us to to have this as an option? Right. No, this should have been the so. default. It should have been let's tell the people what the best price is, even if it's yep. going to cost us a little bit of profits as a drug company or 
uh, acronym middleman for uh, the industry. Well, it's the insurance Dude, this is amazing. out, right? Put... Because they're the ones that want to make the, the money by having their bureaucracy in place, now, right? So Chase, I just did this. I put a prescription that I have and they are already, they're contacting my doctor evidently to try to get it changed. Wasn't what that the... better than anything you've ever done? <laughs> is, pharmacy -wise? is that what you're supposed to like, is that what you're waiting on just now? I yeah, was he's waiting, waiting on, on that it. what the like, F moment. Like, let me, let me tell you something, Dude. Chris. Now, now that now that they've acquired you and you've gone through it, will you ever go back to the other option? Now, no. not unless it was substantial. I mean, he he would actually probably pay twenty percent more to go through that, but it's it's the exact same insurance. So if you have a copay, it's going to be the same copay. And if it's a drug mm. that you're going to pay the cash price, unless there was a substantial savings on that cash pay price by going through the hassle of looking up your good RX card and figuring out which pharmacy is cheaper, and then driving there, and then the next month when it happens to be cheaper at a different pharmacy, having your drug, uh, your prescription transferred from one to the other. I've done that. It was a nightmare. And that was my big, that, that's my big sticking point with GoodRx is yes, it is a fantastic service. It is doing great for the world because they're lowering prices for people who need it, but it's not the most convenient. And if Amazon can give me the best or similar to best price, and I didn't even realize it, but right now, today, you can, in the normal Amazon site, just type a name brand drug, and it pulls that drug up and the alternative and tells you what the price is. Right but there, Dave, you just put, drop it be, in your Amazon shopping cart. Can there be multiple big winners here? And I like, I think the answer probably is yes. Chase, what I love in all of my research on GoodRx, if I was going to pull out one thing, you you gave us a piece of potential social arm, which is that they dominate and have figured out how to engage and connect and win over Doc. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. Now I'm going to give you one more piece of social arm. I think that 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 is worth considering on GoodRx. I am blown away at the connection they have with customers. Okay. It. I mean, it is unbelievable how people perceive this brand once they start using GoodRx. It is like, I don't know what their net promoter score is. I think it's like crazy high. Well, it's just but kind of shocking that it works. Using... That was my experience. It's like, really? That that exists? And why was I why was I paying $200 for something I can now pay $16 for? Dave, they talk about it. When people start using GoodRx, they not only fall in love with it, they start talking about it to their friends. They're like, dude, I can't believe how much money I just saved with GoodRx. Like they actually, this stupid little discount card, which is how the world I perceived them initially, yeah, they're they're basically they're creating brand loyalty. Like it's wild. It, yes, it, am I wrong? But is Chris, that... but Chris, no, you're, even you're not, even if you love not... a brand, are you going to make your life more difficult to use that brand? Like I get Me? it. You're gonna use you'll good use GoodRx every time you have to go to the pharmacy. If you have a Schedule yes. Two drug, you're still going to use your GoodRx card, or just hopefully it's covered by your insurance, and you're just gonna go to the local pharmacy. But for everything else, all these subscription drugs, all of your your Lipitor's of the world, you're just gonna have those show up in your mailbox. And my next question for Doctor Chase, just because I'm a customer, I want to know why have I not been using Amazon's Pill Pack, where they put all of my drugs and my vitamins in a, every every day? It's like open the thing and count out, okay, I need one of these and one of these, and I want to make sure I get my uh, zinc this, uh, you know, the, my, my COVID zinc and my, you know, why have I not been doing this? Because it apparently is the exact same price or are there well, like vitamins super like marked Amazon up? is even actively um, advertising, right? And so they're not in the face of the consumer yet. I don't know how they're planning on doing that. Are they just going to be like you search for a drug and there'll be an ad? It seems like they need to do a better job of getting this information out. Well, as soon as, yeah, as, no, soon as I like start using 
the pharmacy already, they should just say, hey, by the way, do you want it packaged in a bottle or do you want it packaged in a pack? Because they offer both. No, it, no it's, it's, so to your point, Dave, pill pack is primarily focused on patients with chronic degenerative diseases. Yeah. These are, these are people with, with not, with not any type of like acute care condition um, that requires like that quick, you know, that, that one script you're going to take, but these are patients that have, that are going to be taking these medications every single day for the rest of their lives. That's what pill pack has been primarily, primarily focused on. Now, again, I get that we that's know what that it's Amazon- for, but out of a, out of convenience, if I could have vitamins and my lipid and my Propecia and my, you know, whatever my daily regimen is all packaged up instead of having to go through four different bottles. And it's easier. the same price. Much easier. Why much, not much do easier. it? I don't. Much, much, much more, much more convenient. And you know, the, the big thing though, uh, to go to, to to your point, Dave, like around convenience. You know, we're all we're talking about. You know, I, I've narrowed it down to three things in, in the eyes of you know when we think about the perspective of the consumer for a second. For you, Dave, you're talking about convenience right now. Being able to open up that pack, have all your medications in it. You're willing to pay for that. So. I, if you were to rank, and I'm going to ask, I want to ask each of you to force rank brand. But, but is, is Pillpack more expensive? That's the question. Because That's it appears not and, to be according to their website, unless they're marking up vitamins, which I'm sure they are because vitamins are just a thousand percent markup to begin with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the thing is, the thing is too, on the prices, as we, as we, sh- as we saw earlier with Travitian Z as an example, medication c- prices can differ on each of these different sites. Script Hero's price versus GoodRx's price versus versus Blink Health's price versus yeah. Amazon Pharmacy's price, it differs. But the big question is, once you're acquired as a customer, even like what, it, it really just depends on a per patient basis. Am I the patient that when I get my script, I Google the drug and I see, and I go through GoodRx, Script Hero. Am I shopping for cost to try to find the lowest cost? Am I shopping for convenience? I.e., I've already put all my information in Amazon Pharmacy. Even if it's a few dollars more, it's much simpler. It's much more convenient for me to receive it in Prime in a few days. Or is it based on brands? So that's the it's big question. It's not one size it, fits all, though, for everyone, yeah. right? I think, like I think some people will be sure. more it price conscious. It depends on if my account is up or down that day. You know, some days it might be convenient. <laughs> some days it might be cost, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I think there's, can we assume that there's a place for Amazon to be a mega winner and potentially good RX in the short term, at least, like the next 12 to 36 months to be a mega winner? I mean, maybe the, the future of good RX moving beyond 24 months is a little more, you know, a little hazy, like it's harder to see, but that's, what's the trade? Like, is there a social so, arb trade the next year? Yes, we, months we've made people that. wait an hour. What is the trade? Here it is. So here it is. I bought GoodRx when it was down. So, you know, it was always hovering around the $50, that $50, 48 to $52 mark. It then went down to the low 30s. I just want to give, by the way, a special shout out because this is Danny Azrin, actually, my future brother-in-law. He actually called me up and he said he, he he debated me on this i was like amazon pharmacy that day like i always get these impulsive responses that's why i always have to wait do my research before i just i'll never do it you know i, I never make an impulse decision i have to really think about it that day i was amazon 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 amazon's gonna dominate it's over for everybody else danny danny actually calls me and says listen you know it's down that day because i actually just bought 
GoodRx. And I'm thinking to myself, no, dumb trade, dumb trade. And then I started thinking about, I actually started, you know, rationalizing everything that, rationalizing everything and thinking about everything that he was saying. And I realized GoodRx is a great buy. So I bought it at, at the, I bought it at around uh, 34, 35. I'm, I mean, obviously every day I'm holding a stock, I'm buying it that day. I'm, I'm still, I still there have my investment in GoodRx. Um, thank you, by the way, Chris. That was a Chris Millo, uh, Chris Camillo <laughs> line when you're holding it, you're buying it another day. So I'm buying it today. I'm buying it tomorrow. I'm buying it next week. Um, I am, I'm, uh, and the reason is I actually think GoodRx is a very good short and medium, not just short term, but also medium term uh, play. I think that it is going to take a lot of time to get to what you guys just did going on Amazon, pharmacy.amazon.com, going through the whole sign up process, et cetera. That's a piece of it. Simplifying product, making it easier for existing Amazon customers to go through that experience. But think about all the customers out there that are, you know, that are still relying on brick and mortar, the older populations, which that's a massive tens of, you're talking about an, an enormous, enormous TAM, these older patients, these other individuals that are um, still depending on their brick and mortar physicians that have, that are not relying on virtual care uh, for, for their treatment. And I believe that GoodRx is going to continue to dominate that segment of the market. And um, again, I, I think that they're Chase, doing a lot there. Chase, as you were speaking, I just picked up 10,000 shares of GoodRx as you were speaking just now. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. It, 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 it's it's um, what um, I was thinking before today's episode. And I wanted to hear, I wanted to hear the full, you know, the analysis from you. I want to make sure I wasn't missing out on anything. But I purchased my 10,000 shares of GoodRx just now, almost entirely due to what I think is underappreciated customer loyalty and excitement and, and and just enthusiasm for spreading the word about this product. And once you use it, I think you start to use it more and more and more and you tell your friends about it. I could see them really coming out of the pandemic and exploding. Once people get back into uh, pharmacies, they're looking to save money, obviously. Also, guys, I think that the Amazon effect maybe doesn't take have a huge impact on them this next year. I'm not even thinking past 21 right now. I'm not even thinking about it. All I'm thinking about is the next year will GoodRx continue to surprise us on the upside because of the just a massive amount of consumer loyalty and, and excitement around that brand. It's weird talking about excitement around a coupon card, right? For medications. But People also love Groupon. That's the one thing I haven't seen enough of in the kind of the financial Wall Street perspective of GoodRx. I do think Amazon's a little bit of an overhang and probably a risk factor. But like everything else, Amazon tippy toes into stuff, right? I could see Amazon yeah. kind of like not even pushing pharmacy for at least another year, right? Yeah. So like I'm going to play around with GoodRx and maybe get a, a social arb trade out of them before Amazon puts the pedal to the metal. Okay? So what is, well, what is what your turning point? You're seeing GoodRx like march into this space and really um, going out and acquiring customers and Amazon's not doing that. You have not seen an Amazon advertisement at all for this product, exactly. only hear about it on financial news channels. Exactly, and, and that, that's important. Asked, how, how, many, how many people the case for? He's making the you you invested in GoodRx. Uh, you're 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 unsure what happens five six years from now, but you're long GoodRx. Irrelevant from Amazon. You love Amazon too, though, in this space, right? That's what you're saying. You love Amazon. I, I love I love I love Amazon too. But th I mean, really, this is the takeaway. Anytime Amazon enters a market, people say, "Oh, market X done." Oh, they entered. You know, oh, 
consumer companies like, you know, Warby Parker, all these direct consumer brands, you know, they're going to get Amazon, they're going to get Amazon out of the market. Forerunner Ventures, a venture firm in Silicon Valley, has built an incredible fund off of uh, people that are building, you know, e-commerce. Whenever everyone is like, oh, the e-commerce of X, Y, and it's done. They're, if you go to their website, look at their portfolio companies. These are areas and spaces that Amazon has and will continue to target, but there are still multi-billion dollar companies that have been developed within each of those segments. Just because Amazon is entering doesn't mean that Amazon will own the market. That's the takeaway I the takeaway I had. I will be a user of Amazon Pharmacy. I will be a user of GoodRx. But most importantly, I see that there is long-term place, uh, me, actually short and medium-term place, I should, I should correct myself, for both these entities. And to Jordan's point, which is key, how many people are watching CNBC? How many have, how much, how much out of the 330 million or so Americans, how many people are, are getting their information for their prescription drugs off of, you know, off of these, off of these, um, off of these channels versus Googling and going through these alternative advertisements. Amazon has a lot of work to do to lock in these alternative distribution channels. So yes, I am with you, Chris. I'm happy you came to the same conclusion that I did. Um, and that's why I, I have good RX and Amazon. By the way, Chase, it's important for us to tell everyone right now that neither me, Dave, you, or Jordan are financial advisors. So like we're just yes. talking, we're walking you through our actual thought process, our social arm thought process for specific trade. It happens to be good RX. This is not us telling the audience, go buy good RX. Dude, we would never do that. And we're telling you not to do that. Do your own research, talk to an advisor, do whatever you want to do. Hopefully you kind of, you know, we helped you think about the social arm process for a company that might not be an obvious social arb trade. And I made my decision. I know my risk tolerance. I have no idea what the hell your risk tolerance is, whoever's watching this yeah. show. So like, I can't make that decision for you, but we're not financial analysts, not copying yes. trades. Do and not Chris. listen to my financial <laughs> advice. I'm telling you, I, I, again, I'm making my decisions for me. I am not making my decisions or telling any of you to, to, to do anything that I do. In fact, uh, you know, I, you know, again, whether you're a friend, whether you're a stranger, do not listen to me. But just uh, again, this is really just purely, purely for educational purposes. Hey, Chris, for educational purposes, I'm wondering what that information dissemination moment is going to be for you that makes this no longer a social arb trade and just something that you're hanging on to for the medium to long term. That, that that's a really great question, Dave. I don't know. This is this is a tough one, right? Because I feel well, I, like the market's not paying attention to the power of the brand of GoodRx and the power of the network effect of GoodRx. Um, so when I see that starting come into play, hopefully a year from now, is it is it when you see a TV commercial for Amazon Pharmacy on the Super Bowl, or when you see uh, Amazon Pharmacy represented at the checkout desk at your local uh, doctor's office? Is, is it one of those kind of things where, oh, now Amazon is actually front and center reaching out to normal people who don't follow financial news? Yeah, I, th I think if, I think that would be an instance where someone else like Amazon is potentially uh, blocking uh, the dominant position that GoodRx has. So anything to interrupt what I believe is a pure play on just brand extension, brand value, and dominating the space of saving money 
money on prescriptions, which is what GoodRx is building this brand around. What you remember that? Remember when we were kids and we would had those the pat? We I called it a passbook. It was like called entertainment. It was a yeah. huge book of coupons. Remember that guy? Yeah. It was like everyone you, you had used them to sell Texas. those, didn't you? You door to door sold like, those. <laughs> they door to door sold them, and like it seems so odd, but everybody used those things. It was like before you went, you just before you went to a certain type of restaurant or a certain type of like event, the movie theater, like you would pull the coupon out of that thing. Well, like you, you I did. Like I I, I think you're the only person I knew who actually had the passbook in your car with you at all times, just in case Dude. you happened to go to Prego Pasta House. See, See, I Dave, feel like the argument is against eight. the is, is basically against the reaction that the market had to GoodRx that Amazon was jumping into the marketplace, right? That's the arb. That's the arb. Yeah. Um, well, that's what that's what that's what uh, Chase just took advantage of, right? Yeah, he yeah. To, and, like, and, and Chase to get in that, that, that arb is this not price drop to get in. Yeah, it's you're right, Jordan. That's enough. I think there's multiple arb plays. One is just based on Amazon. The Amazon concern is not really reality this moment, and maybe not for another year or. Yeah. Two, the same way that Apple Fitness wasn't a real concern for Peloton, maybe for six more months, or maybe for twelve months, or maybe never. But like the, the, when it moved Apple stock, when it moved Peloton stock down, and then people woke up and they're like, "Well, wait a second, this is just another Apple thing that mm -hmm. will probably happen, but we don't know if they'll ever even talk about it again, or if it fades away, or if anyone really cares about it, or even if it does become a big deal, it might be the type of thing where it gets people thinking, and they then they make a decision to go to." use a connected fitness product, whether it's Peloton or Apple, doesn't really matter. Um, the bottom line is they're getting people to think about it. Same thing, Amazon is getting you to think about saving money on pharmacy. So if Amazon could save you money at pharmacy, maybe you use Amazon for some of your pharmacy and GoodRx for some of the other pharmacy that you get. Maybe maybe I use both, because I only put one prescription in my Amazon right now. You know what it was? It was my Synthroid, because I have a Graves disease, right? So I take Synthroid every day. I know I need that drug every day for the rest of my life. So why not get it from Amazon, right? But then it when I get shows my antibiotics, up, don't have to worry my... about it. And I think that, like I said, I think that's their best use cases for drugs that are regularly scheduled, like, you know, Abigail has cystic fibrosis. So maybe I look at that as a way to get her, you know, because there, there's drugs that she constantly takes for that. And so maybe, but for the regular, but for the doctor's visit where you've got something unexpected, that's where I think, you know, GoodRx might still be the way to go. And, and I think yeah. anyone yeah, who's taking something on a reoccurring basis, yeah. you basically, you should shop around and if Amazon has the best price, buy it there. And if somewhere else has the best price or if it's covered by insurance, you might as well be on Amazon. It, it kind of varies by drug almost, right? does it does and, and and just to break it down to simplify it you know the the case that chris and jordan just brought up was the chronic case you know you're going to need it it's chronic it's a long-term standing disease whether it's cystic fibrosis graves disease the many other chronic diseases that exist out there you're you're you know you're going to need it every single month versus the acute um you know this is not a long-term disease you're seeing your doctor you know you need to go pick up your script right then and now um your antibiotics or whatever else you know you go uh you go with your good rx coupon so and again yeah i agree with what dave said you know make sure you're always like check check all the sites out look at look at good rx look at script hero look at link help um look at amazon pharmacy go with the go with the cheapest if that's what you're that you're optimizing for go with the most convenient but ultimately at the end of the day it's uh, it's the consumer's choice and we should all be very happy that um that these changes are happening in the market because this is really a, a good thing for the world chase uh blue zero uh says good rx feels like a quote exit company they will grow to a point and then sell the big money like amazon what we 
where is a home? Is there a home for GoodRx eventually? You know, can is is there a, is there a complementary play for GoodRx? I don't know. Is there a is there an acquisition in their future? I mean, I I would have said that I could see one of the wholesalers coming in and acquiring a, a GoodRx just because they do such an effective job at interfacing directly with uh, direct directly interfacing with consumers. But now they're too expensive. I mean, look at the market cap of a McKesson and then look at the market yeah. cap of a of a good RX. It's it's you know, it's it, it should have if it was going to happen, it should have happened at the at the one to two billion dollar point, not the you know, the the the, the tens of billions of dollar point. Um, Even after the uh, stop stock price dropped, uh, good RX is still a 14 and a half billion dollar company. So that's it makes it yes. difficult to have a little simple acquisition unless you're Amazon or Walmart. Yeah. And, and listen, I think that, you know, Tammy L says, uh, OK, maybe Amazon isn't a concern now, but that might not matter because the market looks forward. Yeah, Tammy, you're totally right. The market definitely looks forward. But um, as the market looks forward, will they get to a point where they start to realize that Amazon could be hyper successful? But if GoodRx gets enough traction, especially the next year, that they could stand on their own and they're going to get a pretty big segment of this market, Amazon will get their segment. Maybe the market ends up getting split and the initial fear kind of comes down a little bit. That's that's kind of where I was going. I think the longer it takes Amazon to put their pedal to the metal on this whole pharma space, the more people will, the less people will be concerned that they're just going to completely knock out someone like GoodRx because they really are two different people, right? And and sometimes it's the same yep. person, but a different part of their prescription, I don't know, buying pattern. Like for me, I'm going to use both. I'm going to use Amazon. I'm also, by the way, I have used GoodRx only because I got to the window of my drive through pharmacy and they were like, it's going to cost you this much money, but just download this thing right now and get a coupon off of them and it will save you like 60%. It was insane. And so that was the first time I ever used GoodRx. So like, I don't see why that would stop because nothing in the next year is going to stop people from going to pharmacies. And by the way, as soon as we start getting our vaccines, people are going to be back in the pharmacy in a huge, huge way, right? I, I, I completely agree with that, Chris. And I, I think you you really hit the nail on the head, which is, again, we're talking you, you, the big the, the biggest piece for me too, and where I made my own personal decision, which again, my decision alone, do your own research, is based on the distribution. The fact that pharmacists are recommending it, download this app, that is a really, I mean, you're standing right then and there, you're at point of, it's it's point of care, right? You're getting someone to do something. You have this, this the pharmacist, this the doctor, the pharmacist, the person you trust that's telling you that you are going to save money from this do this right then and there and the question is can amazon pharmacy how long will it take them to get that same distribution advantage um, with the pharmacists uh, and with the providers amazon pharmacy these pharmacies have no incentive to help amazon they're not going to say go to amazon pharmacy it's going to be cheaper for you yeah good rx will always have that advantage the question is will they be able to break into the doctors and and by the way the other revenue stream that i didn't mention which just do your own research on as well but good rx all actually makes money as well from the pharma manufacturers they're they're selling data to the pharmaceutical manufacturers and they're sell they're selling different SEO services um, to the pharmaceutical manufacturers as well, which we didn't even discuss important. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry, man. Um, I just lost some of the comments. Okay. One thing that I think we need to factor in here uh, that will prevent Amazon from just taking over this market quickly is that doctors are older generally and uh, doctors, a lot of doctors in this country are not like, still write scripts the old fashioned way, believe it or not. They still fax, they still write them out. Out, and they just don't like change, right? So getting a doctor to kind of proactively embrace uh, 
scripting towards Amazon. It's it's just a hurdle. That's all. It's just a hurdle to Amazon's flow, right? Um, just something to think about. You know, if, if it, for me, this is a relatively short-term trade. This is like I think in my mind, I'm gonna think I'm gonna think about this deeper in a year, right? If I am I'm still sitting in GoodRx a year from now, I'm, we'll probably have you back on the show. We'll be like, what has changed? What has changed in the last year? Is the social arb trade still there? You know, is it not? Are there new windows to arb this or not? Because this is not a trade I necessarily want to be in for a decade, right? I just I got to reevaluate this every quarter and especially if, next year. Yeah, but if a consumer wants to use Amazon, is there a way for a doctor to block that? I mean, it should they can use whatever you can use whatever pharmacy you choose to. They, you can. They, that is that is a law. It is the freedom yeah. of choice of the patient to select the pharmacy of their choice, whether it's a local or a mail order. It's always freedom of choice to the patient. There's no way you can push one pharmacy over another. Okay. Um, you have to provide freedom of choice. That's very important. Yeah, but how how is Amazon? I'm just curious. I assume they would accept it the same way they normally would through fax, right? It's mind blowing that they're still faxing prescriptions. Hey, the finance world still has fax machines in the back of the bank somewhere too. I don't I don't get that. <laughs> Oh boy! Um, all, Can, all I'm saying, guys, is I don't think I don't think uh, physicians are going to proactively push that. Like they're, you know, what I'm saying that I think they're not even gonna bring a lot of physicians. Are just gonna be like, okay, you're still you're still with Walgreens. There's it, you have to change the pharmacy, right? So like the consumer has to change it. Otherwise, things will stay the same. It will be the same pharmacy that you used same time you were at that doctor last, right? Yeah. And just it's a little thing other, but it, other it than could be a convenience big thing in terms of how long it takes to change yeah and mail yeah. order has been a thing that pretty much every insurance company has their own mail order pharmacy and so people are familiar with the idea but there's something nicer about amazon than your you know insurance carrier to me it just seems like that's I more convenient i don't use my mail order dave and i don't even I don't know either. why no, I, don't, I, I don't even know why i think they'll save me money i just don't do it i don't want yeah it. we do the mail order because we've got stuff that comes regularly and we can't even get some of her drugs um, um in a pharmacy because it's got to be shipped in like a cold container and stuff like that. And so, you know, um, the it's a decent experience, but the problem is scheduling, right? That's the nice thing about Amazon is that you see everything on their web interface. You know exactly when it's going to show up. You can track the package with the, uh, with your, you know, with your provider. You don't get that same level of service. Uh, all right. This has been awesome. Da I'm in. Chase is in. Dave, Jordan. I, no, I think, I think I'm think in about? too, but, but very short term, just as, as good RX recovers a little bit because I yeah. think long-term the, the trajectory of this company is not as exciting as it was pre-Amazon saying we're going to be a pharmacy and offer competitive low discounted prices on drugs that will mail directly to you. Before they said that and you were just competing with the the insurance carriers who would give you a lower price and mail it to you, that, that isn't as compelling to me as Amazon doing it. And I'm in just, just to watch as this stock comes back, hopefully over the uh, course of the next you know few months. Jordan? I do, Jordan. I think it's a compelling argument. Now I've got to go do my own research, as everybody else should. <laughs> you're not as you're not as compulsive as as Chris and I. Chris makes the trade on the fly. I pretty much decide, and as soon as we log off, because I have too many other screens going on right now, I'll I'll do it then. And Jordan is going to actually do research the way uh, nature intended. So good job, Jordan. <laughs> so, I do have a question uh, while we have you on the line, and we're we're talking about pharmacies. I just happen to be looking at the other uh, pharma pharmacy quotes, and Rite Aid is up fourteen percent today. What 
what is going on there. They're also up like 60%. They dropped immediately on the Amazon news, but then, uh, and, and kind of stayed low for a week or so. And then they've just been on a tear since. What in the world is going on there? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Rite this, Aid has, has this drop right here really on the X is is uh, when Amazon made the announcement. So they they dropped and then stayed, but then look at that. Wow. That has to be what sixty five percent. Yeah, Rite Aid. As I as I mentioned earlier, Rite Aid is doing has been investing significant amounts in um, has been investing significant amounts. I mean, they've made a they've made a ton of changes to their executive teams. They've been investing tremendous amounts in pawning top talent from top tech companies, uh, as well as you know the big retailers like Walmart, who have effectively done a really good job on the e commerce side. And they're investing a lot in you know this whole you know they, they've got this this at the health conference, they announced the, the clinic of the future, the way that pharmacists are getting really educated of speaking to a variety of different products, um, not just prescription products. When patients come in the door, they're getting specially trained on this. And then they're doing a ton of work on uh, on really creating like very much more simplified e-commerce experiences. I mean, 14% is a big jump. Um, I have to do my research. Uh, I've been j jamming with you guys. Um, so I can uh, I can definitely get back to you on uh, on, on, on what All the right, situation is. We're going to let you go in a minute, Chase, but I, when we last had you on, we talked about Teladoc and the merger. Obviously, they've come down some, uh, likely related to uh, you know seeing the light at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic. And you know, do we really still need to go to uh, doctors, see doctors remotely? What are your thoughts? Do you think people stick stick with this concept post pandemic and Teladoc comes comes out of this in a good place or no? So. If we look at, again, going back to the telemedicine piece, heavily commoditized, only becoming more and more commoditized. We know that Teladoc acquired Livongo in order to differentiate themselves. That's why they were willing to spend the $18 billion on acquiring them. Um, the question is, you know, Livongo is a company that moves really, really quickly. I am, I'm not holding my Teladoc or Livongo uh, position. I, I got out after the, um, I, I own Teladoc and I own Livongo. Again, do your own research, but I, I got out of my own position um, um, uh, in, in these companies, because you know, again, for me, I was really excited about Livongo um, because, again, I saw Livongo really becoming a hundred billion dollar company. The question is, can they be a hundred billion dollar remote patient monitoring company under the slower moving nature of Teladoc? Um, a lot of the executives from Livongo left. Um, president left. A lot of their senior executives left. Um, will Teladoc be able to enable Livongo to move at the speed that um, you know a Livongo was able to move at pre-acquisition? And and I don't believe that to be true. Um, I could be very wrong. Um, you know, I know that I've got some friends and other colleagues who are still holding it, and it's been um, it's been a debate. But I uh, I decided to exit my position there. All right. So you know, not clear cut. There. There's there's risk factors related to management leaving, and can they continue to do what they've been doing at Livongo? It's a bigger company, so they they have to they have to put up big numbers at, at that bigger market cap, right? As a combined company. Yep, they they have they have to, and and again post again at least post you know with 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 everything that's going on with vaccine no news, we know that telemedicine is going to be negatively impacted by this positive news. Like, do I think that do I believe that telemedicine will have a long term place? I, uh, for sure, like, you know, 30% of all these visits can easily be accomplished through telemedicine. I'm a huge believer in telemedicine. But again, it's a commodity. Um, and uh, I do think it's going to hurt Teladoc stock, at least over the short term. The 
thing I am really excited about, though, which um, separate than 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 telemedicine is is remote patient monitoring. There is the a, there is a a massive 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 um, uh, opportunity as we've seen physician uh, reimbursement scheduling changes on uh, uh, Medicare reimbursing this idea of remote patient monitoring. I believe there's going to be many many billion dollar many many billion dollar companies that uh, pop up um, from. There's going to be many many billion dollar companies that pop up around this whole concept of remote patient monitoring. I viewed Livongo as becoming that that dominant force in the space. But again, to me, startups have the ability to move a lot faster. They obviously have a huge head start in the diabetes space, but we see a lot of other competitors popping up in other condition areas, Hinge Health. And I, we're, uh, we're still invested in, how's the one that we're invested in with you, the startup uh, that, that did patient monitoring, right? Or was it communications, patient communications? Yeah, they're, um, they're actually, they're still in stealth mode. Um, they've been, uh, what they're doing is they're providing this service. They're selling this service to pro- the service to private practices to make it easy for them to um, help enable and provide these remote patient monitoring services directly to their patients. Uh, but um, yeah, they're still stealth. Um, we can definitely, I'll, I'll be able to share more information, I'm sure, on the next episode. I know they're going to nice. be- For those of y'all that don't know, we do, um, you know, <laughs> before we kind of hid in our houses this year for the pandemic, you know, Jordan, Dave, and I were investing in startups. We're the second most active uh, startup investors in the state of Texas in 2019, believe it or not. Um, and we do a lot of med tech and, and you know, bio investing all through Chase. So like if it's touching the pharma space or the med tech space or anything related to that, uh, we basically just we just do that through you, Chase. I don't even want to know about it. We just Chase just says he has something good. We give him some money. And I don't even know how many companies were invested in through you. But in that space, we just we trust your opinion. So I, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, guys. Is Masterclass going to go public anytime? soon we need to exit that thing at some point yeah, no, that's uh, that. I, I anticipate the the time is gonna, the time is uh, is definitely near for for um, for masterclass. It'll be exciting to see what they end up doing, though. Oh, I would. They I, got I so much good content. Day. They do. They're, they're, it's an incredible. It really is an incredible company. It's funny. I was telling Chris the other day that I um I haven't. I, this has been my longest cold period of of, of not having. You know, there's, I've been looking at a lot of early stage deals, but I I haven't. Uh, I, I put like a pause on my early stage investing for like the last six months i've got to i've got to definitely reignite it so no, i'll tell you you guys will know soon you guys will know it's soon. good that, it's good up. to take a break it's good to take a breather you were going too fast man you were you were in <laughs> gosh we did a lot of deals last year same we did we definitely right. did well listen awesome, thank guys. you for coming on the show man this has been so great we, anything happen in 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 the med community like anything really to any public sector please ping us again come on the show for sure let us know we'll do the same if we have have any questions for you awesome again thanks guys always good always good to have chase on the show thank you chase it's, it's so it's so fun some of our most lively discussions are when chase joins in the square and we do want to thank everybody also for participating in the chat i know that we have a uh, nurse tammy who's uh, been in nursing for 14 years she wanted to jump on we just can't put everyone into the stream but we really do appreciate your uh, contributions in the uh, live chat and yes we do really read it so Know the, that uh, sometimes we don't look at it enough, but yes, we uh, we definitely are participating in the chat and everything that else. That said, Dave, we are looking to bring on one to two community members a week, and we're generally focused on the high conviction channel of our Discord. Um, when we see something there that we think is of interest, um, you know, we're pulling you guys on the show to share your insights with the community on the live show. So if you have something, whether it's Tammy or anyone else, put together a little high conviction report. I 
think I think we have like a template template on there. By the way, I do want to address there something. Uh, a, a lot of our we've had some community members. I know there's been you know some people trying to sell some stuff in the Discord. Uh, we talked to the mo we talked to the moderators yesterday. Uh, we're gonna keep the dumb money Discord really clean uh, and and ask everyone not to pitch any type of services that they're selling, whether it's a trading service or a research service. So um, no purchase, no services for money, right, in, yeah. in our Discord. Don't link out to anything that's going to cost anyone anything, and it's cool. Yeah, so 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 we're all good going forward. Obviously, we never ask you guys for money unless, you know, and if you're buying, like, dumb money ornaments, if you haven't seen them, they're ridiculously cool. We don't get money from that, guys. We literally do this at our at cost price. So, I, Dave, I've already bought a bunch. I don't know if you see my orders coming through. I'm about to place a bunch more today. <laughs> well, you better hurry because I, I really, I, I need to do some research because we use various vendors for various products and we have it automatically routing to whoever can ship first at this point. But, yeah. you know, how shipping is around I'm the holidays. My, my laptop that was supposed to be here yesterday by 9 p.m. still isn't here. And now they're, now the last scan was in Kentucky, so who knows? And then my other laptop was last scanned in Korea. So it made its way out of China, apparently, but it's so, not here so it yet. So it wasn't Wait, on the boat your, that top Did you get the one yesterday? No, it didn't. It didn't show up. So, but, but, it, but the, uh, and they don't have a new date. It was supposed to be yesterday by nine, but, uh, maybe soon. I don't know. It just says no, no, uh, scheduled date. Check back That's for a, a schedule. Big bummer. Yeah. Dude, this is nice. My account is finally positive today. Oh, I was really frustrated earlier in the show when the market was hitting all time highs and my account was negative. It is nice to be positive again. Which stock was pulling you back? Um, I don't know. I think it was like, see, oh, GBTC is Bitcoin down today. Something. Yeah, but like five or six percent. I mean, that's not out of it's not unheard of. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, SPWH uh, a little bit. Amazon's down a little bit. Cure Leaf's down. Some of my med. Uh, yeah, nothing much. Uh, that Nikola shorts down again today. Nikola. Oh, Nikola. Why no, is anyone buying Nikola stock? Although we should know. I mean, we should have known that you know whatever it takes, Nikola is going to find a way to go up. Oh, Gan is up. Oh. Thank goodness. Oh, OTGLY. <laughs> I should give people an update on that. That is the gaming company that it's makes uh, CD Project something CD like that. Project. What's the game? It's um. It's a cyberpunk. 20, cyberpunk 2077. 2077. So yeah. So here's what happened, guys. Reviews came out, and remember we were talking about the over under on that kind of being 90. Uh, reviews came out, and the reviews are 91. So it's like right there in the middle. So as soon as I saw that, I sold two thirds of my shares. It, I didn't. It's not like I'm going to short the stock. I kept a little bit, but. I don't know. I have a little bit of stock that I kept, but I sold two thirds of my CD project, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 stock. Uh, I mean, I plan to get out of it. I'll, I'll be out of that stock here in the next week or two entirely. I did keep a small amount because I do think there's still an opportunity for those China numbers to be better than expected. You know, that was part of our social arb thesis. So I'll, ha I'll hang in there for the announcement of how many pre-sales they actually generated. I think that comes out in about a week. Week, week and a half. Uh, but I'm not super pumped about that trade at this point based on that 91 number, uh, a Metacritic number of 91. And just like, that's good, but it's not like there's so much hype. I needed to see something in the mid 90s to kind of keep keep my stock. So my Kodak short, it's very small and it's not going well. People are yeah, Kodak it. was up like a thousand percent the other day. Not really. Yeah, but basically it was... the government, or they came out and said that there was nothing wrong with the, with the loan. Um, yeah, <laughs> Look at I that. don't have the time to deal with this, guys. I'm just going to cover the short right now. Yeah, I'm just no, it's, I'm it's trending back down. 
Unless you think it some even better news now. for Kodak is coming out, like they've uh, banned all digital photography or something in the future. Well, I, I, I don't, digital. I don't, oh, yeah. Listen, I was in this. My trade thesis was Biden bad, Kodak, and there's no one save Kodak. But hey, they got the good ruling. Good for them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where they go from here. I just this company has not been able to pull off anything that they've tried the last 20 years. So I see. I've no heard they released they would... some uh, film canisters, some consumer film canisters. So those might be flying off the shelf sometime soon. Wait, what are they? Yeah, they film. They created these little five pack film canisters for like old school film. And you can, wait, you can buy you that. Use, and they're flying off the shelves camera? because. Yeah, if you have a film camera or if you have something else you want to keep in a film canister, then but, you could buy that. Wait, could you could you not buy those before? Not Kodak branded. Why would hey, you hold care? Up. Can you find them? <laughs> um, no, I was I was actually uh, checking to see where my laptop is. It's in transit. Check back tomorrow for an updated delivery date. What? It's very on Apple. Oh, it's UPS. No, that's UPS. Yeah. Apple knows exactly where it is. All right, guys. This Wait, was I'm, I'm searching for Kodak film canister. No, I'm dead serious. I think they came out with these. I don't, I don't understand that. Well, I mean, that. Polaroid like weird... comes out with some vintage looking uh, yeah, film stock from time it. to time that people buy. Yeah. Guys, okay, what well, do we this have is just tomorrow? A I think we had something pretty good tomorrow. What, what's tomorrow's episode, Dave? Um, tomorrow, I, did I put it on my calendar? Let's see. I have not made a yeah, thumbnail yet, we... if that matters. Oh, Airbnb. Oh, Air yes, because doesn't Airbnb, Airbnb go public on Thursday? Thursday? Yeah, and I'm getting anxiety. Like, I really, really want... I want to get in on this IPO. I want to get in on the actual IPO, though. I'm calling TD Ameritrade. Should I call my guy right now? Let's just, let's just do yeah, it you right. Yeah, we should do it live. Let's just do it live. Uh, and, and let me see if, if you guys I can get bored get, watching this. It's cool. Let me see if I can get any shares. Who who thinks I'm going to be able to get shares here? Let's see, let's see what he says. We should do a uh, Twitter poll. I'm going to say no. I'll put him on speaker in a minute. I'm trying to buy some Kodak film, but apparently all I can buy is a Kodak keychain. Oh, here's oh, some that Kodak film from a photo, photo, photo store. They probably have it. So I can buy some uh, 200 ISO film. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I have you here bucks. with my two buddies. We're just talking about uh, Airbnb, and I figured I'd give you a call. They're listening into you as well. Is there any... There's no shares for, like, you know, your favorite clients like me, right? No. But you got... <laughs> wish that was the case like like you could wait till it opens on the open market and buy it but we're not part we would need to participate in the ipo for that to happen but you're not you're not in on this one you're not getting any shares not, no unfortunately right now there's not a lot of ipos that we're participating on um mainly due to the fact that there's an ongoing dispute um in conjunction with schwab against goldman sachs um with regards to it stems back a couple years um, and it's in litigation. It stems to, um, you know, about allocation from IPOs. So in order for us to get, you know, and that's who we worked with to be, you know, to get partake in IPOs because, you know, IPOs, an investment bank, the underwriter is going to be the one that, you know, gets the IPO, right? So like if, uh, you know, Barclays, you're at Barclays and they're underwriting an IPO, you get that there, you'll get it. But like with like a retail broker, they have to have like an agreement with. Them. Yeah, I know. I knew you guys used to get some of that stuff in the past. I was just curious if you. If, we did. We did. And there 
was, you know, and there was significant, like, you know, like, I mean, I, this, um, there were IPOs that we got, um, and then, you know, but starting a couple years ago with that litigation that's ongoing in conjunction with Schwab against Goldman Sachs, um, it's, you know, it's tough. IPO brings in thin. Okay. Well, well, listen, no problem. I thought I would check in. I got a hop. By the way, I did send that information for my foundation's I, account. So I'm going to, I'm going to send in one more attachment right now with the co corporate paperwork so you have it correct correct because i looked and i grabbed it under you know because i went in there this morning to look to see if you sent it in and i did get it i just didn't get like the um you know the papers for the documents integration that i got that gotcha I'll, I'll send that i'll send that in right now thank you so much joe i really really appreciate it Anytime, thank you buddy appreciate it Bye. all right so it was worth a try you just you never know uh, but you know, the thing is, if you really want to get in on these IPO shares, that's you have to pay the toll, right? And the toll yeah. is, you know, you can open up an account with Goldman, you can open up an account with Morgan Stanley or, or JP Morgan and, and, you know, some of the underwriting banks, if they happen to be underwriting the IPO you're going for and you're a big enough client, I mean, that's the problem is you have to be pretty large to get shares. If you're with, you know, Morgan Stanley or Goldman, you got to be, I would say what a nine figure client probably. Does that make probably, probably a good yeah. size nine figure? Yeah, it depends um, on how so, how much they have in the uh, thing to whether or not you're going to get any allocation, right? How how much of a participant they are in the underwriting? Yeah, yeah. So I really want to get in on that IPO. I'm in on the I, IPO. I it's and big, I, big, my, big. Dave's in. I I keep looking at the uh, the price that they think that they're going to. I mean, it, it looks like forty billion. That might have been right Dave, around I'll, what I paid you, for it. Do you want to sell right now at forty billion? I'll do a transaction right this second. Right no, now, because I think I think forty billion. Billion is the opening price, and I think Airbnb 41. has room to go up from there. Forty-one. I'll give. I'm not joking. I'll give forty-one billion right now. If you do fifty billion, I might consider it. Would you? I might for a portion of what my shares. Not mind. all I mean, of it. You have a reasonable number of shares. I mean, you have six figures of I have six shares figures. to give, right? Yeah, I think. I'll fifty have to, billion. I'll have to double check. You'd consider that? I'd consider it. How does that work? How, I mean, because I well, would have how to... it actually works, it would be very difficult tax wise because I would have to pay taxes on all of those shares. And then there's this weird transactional thing that whenever whenever I sell them out of my account, because I can't transfer them to you. So we would just have like a, uh, you know, handshake virtual television agreement. You would that have we did to create it. a derivative for the transaction. basically. I mean, technically, we would just have to say we're agreeing to it and, you know, we trust each other enough and we, we just, you know, we sell the shares whenever we can. And then uh, somehow I have to, I don't, I don't really even know. I have to pay taxes on it because it sold out of my account. And then I, I think this thing is going to open up at 60, 65. You do? Billion. You think it's going to yeah. open there, even I, though they've they've revised it upward up to 40 billion. Why wouldn't why wouldn't they just start the it there? Traders. They're not. They're that's not. That's what that's what I'm excited about is the Robinhood traders. And it comes a day after. What's the other big IPO that's happening um, that's happening tomorrow? Also popular with Robinhood. Oh, um, what is it? I can't remember. I'm not in it, so it's not as uh, I don't, exciting to me. Oh, I DoorDash. Don't, DoorDash, the company I that like I use it. like like five out of six days. <laughs> I use it all the time. DoorDash is my go-to. Love the company. Not sure I love the. Uh, not sure I love the the, the trade um, on DoorDash. But we should talk about that too. Maybe we should talk about both tomorrow. Let's Maybe talk we should about do both. a duel. Maybe we should make it like a DoorDash versus Airbnb episode because I have pretty strong feelings about both that I want to discuss. I do too. So congrats, Dave, on getting in on Airbnb a couple of years ago. I was that was a really good move, man. I wish I would have. I wish I would have done it.
We have an episode where, where we talk about that in on the original channel. You can see the yeah, exact so like, reason. I have reasons for not getting in, and I'm not. I'm actually not. I don't have any any FOMO on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're, if you're curious, you can go back and watch an episode. I think it uh, is titled, or the thumbnail says, "Investing in pre-IPO companies," and we have a conversation in Chris's car on the way to lunch. And I think we talk about it at lunch yeah. too. It's yeah. a good episode. Yeah, I'm up, I'm upset now. I, I want to be. I feel like I got FOMO going on this week. I really. And do. by lunch we mean barbecue. Yeah. Speaking that sounds of, good for today. DoorDash, by the way, exactly. do you know, I, I can get Pecan Lodge. Uh, there's several barbecue places that you can have DoorDash delivered. I have a Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich waiting for me downstairs right now. So How are you I've still on the show? How have you not just abandoned, just like empty screen in the middle? I'm hey, about Chris, to. did you get that wire, by the way? Oh, I did not check yet. Um, sorry. Is there a wire in here? I need to double check to make sure that they sent it to the right account. I don't want to, you know, yeah. I don't want the money to go missing. We do all of our, <laughs> yeah, no, no. all of our meetings just live on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, here. Let's see, Jordan. Uh, ticker tags, right? Oh, yeah, it's there. Thank you. Yep. I'm glad you did that, too, because I was about, I, I needed to fund that because our healthcare uh, premiums were not going to get paid yeah. this month. That's good. We're good um, for a few months. In the chat, people are asking if you use DoorDash at your restaurant, Chris, and I wish you did because it would be so more top of mind for me to order it. I'm going to save this conversation for tomorrow. Uh, short answer is way to tease. No, no. Uh, we will tomorrow. We will kind of discuss the full range of restaurant options. How we feel as restaurant owners, those of us that are using these services right now, whether we are likely to continue using them post-pandemic. What I think post-pandemic life looks like for Uber Eats and DoorDash and Grubhub and all these guys. I, I do have strong opinions. I can't wait I to do talk too. about them. I do too. As a, as a user, a heavy user of both DoorDash and Uber Eats and a light user of Chow Now and the other alternative DoorDash type services, Caviar was bought by DoorDash. Yeah. Well, we have a lot to talk about tomorrow and we're so going to do, do that tomorrow. tomorrow. Thank you guys for watching. We're Dumb Money. We will see you then. Mm.